0: This is Real Talk with the Executive Council of Australian Drug. I'm your host, Alex Rivchin. Anshul Pfeffer is one of Israel's leading journalists and political commentators, and he's the author of Bibi, The Turbulent Life and Times of Benjamin Netanyahu. In this episode of Real Talk with ECAJ, we examine the question of Israeli annexation or extension of sovereignty to parts of the West Bank. Will it happen or won't it? and what might be the consequences for Israel's relationships with the world and the relationship between Israel and the Jewish diaspora. Anshul Pfeffer, welcome.
1: Hi, Alex. Thanks for having me.
0: Pleasure. Turning now to the, the major political issue of the day, which is this question of Israeli annexation or extension of sovereignty to parts of the West Bank, uh, as envisaged in the Trump Peace Initiative. So, the first of July day of reckoning has passed without incident. What is the current state of play, and do you expect an announcement to be forthcoming
1: uh you know, at the recent polls in Israel, maybe four percent or five percent of Israelis think that the issue of annexation should even be a priority right now it's It's not an issue, mm-hmm. and that's and that's part of the reason that nothing happened on july the first this is not this simply is not something. That the overwhelming majority of Israelis, and, and after having visited the West Bank a few times in recent weeks, I'd also argue a large number of Palestinians, this is simply not an issue now. People are, are worried about about their livelihoods, and people don't think that some symbolic or or or, or legalistic announcements regarding the legal status of parts of the West Bank will have any effect on people's lives right now. And people are seeing it, frankly. Those were even thinking about it as a waste of time, except for a very small, uh, relatively very small group uh, of hardcore ideologues in, in either political camp.
0: Mm. And um, I wanted to get your assessment, Anshul, of the likely international reaction to any announcement when it does come, if it does come. Uh, we've seen various positions adopted by political parties, including British Labour, Petitions have been circulated, resolutions passed by European parliaments, and we've had a range of statements from Arab leaders. Do you think the reaction will be largely limited to statements of condemnation, as we saw following the Jerusalem announcement? Or does this issue have the potential to significantly alter Israel's relations with the region and the world?
1: I I don't think it will, it, it, if it would happen, and it's not going to happen, in my opinion. But you know, so, so basically, we're talking... Theoretically or hypothetically now, but if it were to happen in the current climate I think that most governments have much more important things to deal with but on the other hand there are that there are various uh, Key issues where it could have an effect. It could have an effect for example on uh, the horizon 2020 uh, European Union Research and development program which is a source of a lot of important funding for research in Israel that's one program which could have, which could be used as a sanction against Israel, and if that happens, it would certainly uh, be uh, significant. And there are many things that we're, you know, that we're not aware of that we don't know that are going on between Israel and some of the Arab regimes, some of the pro-Western Arab regimes in the region. And yes, a lot of these regimes talk about the Palestinian issue in a way which is no more than lip service. Uh, and they don't really care that much about the Palestinians. But mm-hmm. there are certain initiatives which could be put on hold, which are important for Israel, uh, if uh, if Israel were to act, act unilaterally. And then, of course, there's uh, yeah, there's a the reaction from the Palestinian side, which probably wouldn't be very violent or very sudden, but it could certainly build up into something over time, which uh, which could take the form of another intifada or sort of some other
0: type of uh, very violent um, reaction. But like I said, this is all totally hypothetical. So, so let's elaborate on that point, because it's obviously a, a key one. Before looking at the hypothetical response or what might happen from an announcement, you're saying that you don't think there will be an announcement, that there won't be any annexation or extension of sovereignty. Hasn't the Prime Minister kind of painted himself into a corner on this position? Doesn't he need to announce something to appease his base? Or do you think this will just be taken off the agenda?
1: Netanyahu will find people to blame uh, for uh, not having been annexation he'll use that blame uh, to attack various rivals whether it's rivals from the right like Maftali Bennett uh, or from the center like Benny Gantz and the accuse them that because of you we didn't have annexation mm-hmm. but i don't think Netanyahu really ever planned seriously uh, to annex parts of the west bank i think this was this was I mean, you look at the timing, and every time it came up in the last year and a half, it came up on the eve of, of one of the three elections. It was always an election promise. I think perhaps in the last couple of months there may have been a, a few weeks in which Netanyahu was personally swept away by the thought that he would have a, his own uh, historic legacy of changing Israel's borders. But that you know that's that that was out of character for Netanyahu, who's a very pragmatic person, and I think that. He very quickly returned to his normal uh, pra- pragmatic self, realizing the difficulties on all political sides, and also on the, you know, the legal and the, and the even the logistical issues. I mean, nobody, nobody even got around to thinking. Hold on, what does it actually mean annexing? You know, do, do, does, uh, does is it just a stroke of a pen on, on, on a legal document, or do, you know, do we have to carry out a whole? Plan and the whole, uh, you know, it, 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 will it mean that we have to change the way the borders uh, are, are marked mm-hmm. and the way, uh, you know, the way military units are deployed and and and, and many many other considerations that nobody even began to to plan. And there was no, you know, there was no contingency planning. There was no, you know, the IDF a few weeks ago held a war game in which they tried to work out different scenarios. But what they knew about least was what their own side, what, what the Israeli side was going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this doesn't show at any point any serious kind of planning beyond this sort of, uh, do, do Australians have the same back, back of a fag packet, you know, back of a cigarette packet kind of uh, uh, map uh, making that was in the, in, in the Trump plan? I mean, you know, the, the, there is no, uh, there's no detail there with, with which you can actually plan how to annex parts of the West Bank, and you know, quite frankly, this you know, this was this has been totally a, a, a fake exercise. And yes, oh. it's exercised all, all of us in the media and international community, in Jewish communities. Everybody's been talking about will will Israel annex? What will happen? And yeah, you know, it's it's pretty easy to looking back to see that this was just. Mainly an election gimmick of Netanyahu, which sort of gathered pace and and took a, you know had its own dynamic and became this big thing, which I think has served Netanyahu very well to divert the attention of people away from his own uh, legal issues, his corruption mm. uh,
0: corruption case. Do you think that even the possibility of annexation could compel the Palestinians to? resume negotiations or perhaps to soften in their position, or do you think they will be hardened in their pursuit of unilateral measures on their own part at the ICC and the UN and various international agencies? Do you think this could somehow, you know, a lot of commentators have uh, opined that this might shift the paradigm or act as a circuit breaker and somehow rejuvenate the peace process. Do Do you buy into that argument?
1: No, I don't, because I think the Palestinian side is suffering From their own uh, type of uh, of of deadlock uh, with uh, with Abbas at the top. Not you know, Abbas made some important and even historic decisions way back in which he you know took the uh, Palestinian struggle, you know, the Palestinian national struggle away from violence, away from from organized terror at least his part of it, Fatah and the mainstream of the PLO. And that was a very important uh, uh, decision, and it wasn't it wasn't an easy one to make. But I think once he took that decision, you know, be, when he became president, uh, now fifteen years ago, uh, I think that that was you could almost say the end of his historical uh, historic usefulness because he hasn't proven capable of of negotiating you know, seriously with Olmert or with Netanyahu. Now, Obviously, Netanyahu hasn't been serious either, but you could argue that El Dolmot, when he was Prime Minister, was negotiating seriously, and, Abu, uh, and, and, and Mahmoud Abbas uh, missed that, that opportunity. So I don't see it as a circuit breaker or a, or a game changer or anything else. Mm-hmm. The sort of is more of a symptom of just how stuck the diplomatic process is and has been right. for a time now. It's not in itself an event; it's a symptom, and it's something which has been useful for Netanyahu to use in his uh, in his in his uh, election campaigns. But right. it's not something that really means anything between Israelis and Palestinians and going forwards towards
0: some kind of solution or whatever it, it will be. Right. And and you mentioned that you know while the issue has really exercised Jewish communities abroad and journalists and and policy analysts and so forth, that it's not getting a lot of playtime domestically. What impact do you think this will have in the Jewish diaspora on Jewish communities? We've seen particularly amongst kind of hard left groups and hard, left, hard right groups in the diaspora being very vocal, circulating petitions, making bold statements, uh, lashing out at the more establishment bodies in their communities. They're not saying much. Do you think this could cause even the potential for annexation? Do you think this could cause serious ruptures in the diaspora? Or do you think things will continue much as they are?
1: A lot of a lot of this anger and frustration is actually happening in very small places. You mentioned the hard right and the hard left. I think a lot of it is happening in our in our world on Twitter. You know, you and I are on mm. Twitter, and a lot of people are, but we're not the majority. I don't think. You know, I think that Jewish, uh, uh, you know, the Jewish uh, connection between diaspora and Israel is, is is much stronger than the policies of any one Israeli government, even an Israeli government. Or Israeli Prime Minister has been in power as long as Netanyahu has, and even a, a, a something like an if it were to happen, and it won't happen, if it were to happen, I think wouldn't uh, uh, make such a pivotal change into that relationship. Because at the end of the day, half the Jewish people live in Israel. Jews outside Israel aren't going to have a relationship with another Jewish state instead of Israel. Um, and you know, I think we tend to um, we tend to exaggerate a bit the. The influence that these uh, these small groups have, and 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 I'm not saying that that you know my, my sympathies are probably pretty clear. Uh, I'm not against what some of these groups are saying. I just don't think that they have that, that as much of an influence as as some of us in uh, uh, some of us tend to ascribe
0: to them. Mm-hmm. And obviously, the relationship between diaspora communities and Israel. Uh, you know, it predates the current prime minister and it will outlive the current prime minister. They run very deep. Um, but do you think, you know, looking at the relationship or the relationships between certain diaspora communities and Israel, particularly the United States, do you think that they're kind of on an irrevocably different path or that there are serious issues like, for example, religious pluralism, uh, perhaps the Palestinian issue, that can be resolved, and should they be resolved, there'll be some sort of a a deepening of unity between the two? Or do you think that it's just a fundamentally different trajectory that the two are on?
1: They are on a fundamentally different trajectory because at the end of the day, what happened with with American Jews and what happened with Israel are sort of two parallel success stories, but they challenge each other. I mean, Israel is... Is, you know, Israel is a success story. I often say that people shouldn't talk about being Zionist because Zionism won. Zionism succeeded in 1948, and we don't have to, we don't have to be Zionists anymore because it's already been fulfilled. Now, Israel succeeded in building a a, 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 a strong, uh, well protected, prosperous state in in very difficult circumstances. So, Israel is a success story, and half of almost half of the Jewish people lived there. And at the same time, simultaneously, we had American Jewry achieving an unprecedented degree of success of I think any diaspora community even even the wonderful uh, the wonderful achievements of Australian Jewry uh, pale in comparison to what the American Jews have achieved over the last century and that's also a success story and in some ways it, it almost it, it challenges with Israel because it, because because American Jews can, can say look how you know how successful we've been here in the diaspora. perhaps we don't need a Jewish state mm. so you know each success story is uh, is is also a rebuke to each other and they are and certainly we're on different trajectories the the, the the values of american Jews and the values of israelis are very different the way israelis see democracy the way israelis see society and don't forget 90% of of israelis uh, are are Originate from either Eastern Europe or North Africa or the Middle East. So none of them have a democratic. You know, we we have obviously a a few Anglo communities in Israel, but they represent less than ten percent. Very very few Israelis have come from a democratic tradition, and yet we expect we in the diaspora, uh, especially in in countries like the United States and and Australia, uh, we accept expect Israel to be. A liberal democracy when there are no fundamentals for Israel to be, that, 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 you know, Israel did not have, you know, 97 Israelis have no democratic traditions, Israel is not in a part of the world where liberal democracies exist, mm. uh, and I think that that, that that being the
0: case, Israel's done very well. Thank you so much, Anshah, I really appreciate it. Tune in our next episode of Real Talk with the Executive Council of Australian Jewry.